On today's episode, we will talk about the Hanged One, Key 12 in the Major Arcana, a time to flip our perspective, surrender, look at things in a new light. Let's get into it. On Crystalline Knowledge Tarot, I'll share all things tarot, with a little bit of social science, a large dose of feminism, and a sprinkling of mysticism to show how tarot can be used for learning, self-development, and collective liberation. There are many perspectives on the practice of tarot and how to read and interpret the cards. This is my perspective, not the perspective, and I respect the many tarot journeys that people are on. This is how I practice and the lens I bring. Hi friends, welcome back to the show. Today is all about the Hanged One, Key 12 in the Major Arcana. And this is a card where if we look at the imagery, which we'll discuss more in depth later, we have to ask maybe our first question, is this voluntary or is it forced? Is the Hanged One choosing to go through this experience? Are we bringing the suffering that some might view as associated with this card on ourselves, or is it being thrust upon us? Well, we know that we aren't at the end of the fool's journey, so we're coming to terms with suffering and things not going our way in this life, but we know that there's more to come. And many people might be feeling like they're at a point or a stage in their life where it's not working and nothing they seem to do is working. They're stuck. It's a bit foreboding. And, you know, what's coming next? Um, listen, I'm always the person who expresses a desire to be more chill and go with the flow but I don't really. If I'm not Googling the episode of the show I'm watching or re-watching a show I've already seen, reading ahead in the book, like this state of not knowing is very, very uncomfortable for me and likely for some of you too. And I mentioned this in a previous episode. This card was my card of the year last year. So I spent a lot of time thinking about some of its themes. You know, I'm a Capricorn. I have a PhD. I used to be in academia. I work in consultancy now. My life is this just like go, 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 like relentless pursuit of progress and perfection. And there's nothing wrong with seeking progress and evolution and working to do our best, but it can become a draining, anxiety-producing rot in our lives if we aren't careful. And that having been said, I, I didn't really feel a connection with this card last year. Like, not really. Or, you know, maybe I felt some tension like I discussed before, but I don't know that I often paused or tried to see things from a different perspective. I tended, like always barreling ahead, not always in the moment. On the one hand, it's like I want this card to resonate more with me 
It feels very mystical, very spiritual, and I want to tap into that, but it's tough. And to be honest, I don't often draw this card for myself. Although I am being more diligent this year in drawing and recording a card every day, so maybe that will change. But I do struggle a bit with the energy of this card. So if you draw this card in a reading for yourself or others, usually it's suggesting a pause, a delay. So if, for example, you are asking the cards, should I do blank, and you draw the hanged one, the answer is let's not make a decision right now. Step back, step away, think about things differently, and decide later. Take that bigger picture view of your life, like what's happening, what has happened, what are you missing because you've only been thinking about things in this one way. It isn't about stalling or refusing to make a decision. That's maybe more of the shadow element of the card. It's about tapping into a different perspective. Think back to the imagery of the card. The person is hanging upside down, but they don't really seem concerned. At least the look on their face says that they are not really concerned because they know that this flipped view is giving them insight into the deeper realities of the situation. And in a more traditional telling or interpretation, it's often about self-sacrifice, this card. The querent or the seeker has been metaphorically hung by the angry mob. Cancelled, if you will. But the hanged one knows that they're right. That they can see what others cannot. So this upside down, unconventional perspective can help us see beyond those illusions to more timeless truths, perhaps. But again, we aren't taking action right now. We're pausing to get that insight. We're hanging in there and pausing before those major changes that come quickly ahead in the fool's journey through the tarot. The next card, the death card, which is next week's episode, is about massive radical transformation. But for now, we wait. So we know that the path ahead is the right one, since real sacrifices will have to be made. And the imagery of this card is really powerful. The, the image is one of peace and understanding. The hanged one is calm. They've surrendered to the rhythms of life around them, to the situation. When faced with this hanging, presumably done to them by someone else, they kept being true to who they were. Even if others think you have everything wrong and everything backwards, this card says, be true to who you are. This card is associated with the element of water and the planet Neptune. So if we're thinking about those associations, water is about emotions, intuition, compassion. Maybe this is an emotional or spiritual time. Um, but again, water can be too impulsive. The dam can break and there can be flood. And the planet Neptune is kind of the dreamer, right? It's spiritual perception, subtlety, idealism, and we see a bit of that in the card. There's a very spiritual, intuitive, enlightenment element of this card, and we see that reflected in its Neptune energy. 
And we've already talked about this a little bit, but keywords for the hanged one include suspension, delay, putting things on hold, sacrifices, and more traditionally, as I mentioned, self-sacrifices. It can be about letting go, flipping your perspective, seeing things anew, that degree of insightful exposure to the truth. It could also be that so-called calm before the storm. I mean, clearly the storm has already started as a result of some karmic actions from the justice card. The hanged one is, well, hanging. But they're chill, they're calm, they're almost serene in knowing that the sacrifices now and those that are about to come are worth it. There is a sense of an almost psychic knowing that the hanged one knew what was going to happen before it did, so they're okay with it. And this is also card number 12, so I'm not the only person to say this, but I think about the repetition of 12, 12 months in the Gregorian calendar, signs in the zodiac, numbers on a clock. It's sort of this like culmination of everything. It contains everything in some way. Now, on that shadow side, and this is similar to the Justice card, actually, is that sense of self-righteousness or woe is me mentality that the seeker is always being unjustly persecuted by others, that everybody's against them, that they're some kind of martyr for the truth, but not really, right? In the shadow element, they're not actually enlightened or a truth teller. They're a false prophet. This is the online personality crying about how everyone is canceling them for speaking the truth when in reality they've been a total jackass and people are calling them out for it. Accountability is not canceling, right? Like that's a shadow element of this card. They claim that they're always sacrificing themselves to get the truth out there, but really it's from a selfish place. It's for notoriety, for fame, for attention, for followers. And another shadow element of this card is taking the pause too far. This card is asking us if it's time to take a second and not rush forward, but it's not suggesting abandoning decision-making completely or not moving forward at all. So the other thing to look out for is, are you getting stuck? Are you in, you know, too in limbo? Are you taking the idea from the justice card of weighing your options or seeing things from many sides as an excuse for not doing anything? Like, don't shop out your decision-making power. You have to be able to take a position to make a decision or you'll never get anywhere. Okay, so one thing I want to talk about with this card is the idea of viewpoint diversity, of seeing things from multiple sides, of talking to people with whom we disagree. Now, I want to be clear. I do not mean this in a center-right neoliberal kind of way. This is not the hug a white supremacist podcast. And there are people who do that, who choose that type of activism, but that's not me and I don't necessarily mean that. What I mean is being open to really radically different perspectives and and holding them. 
and we don't do this a lot, at least not in a meaningful way, we may engage with different viewpoints theoretically, but not with the actual people who hold them. For example, how ideologically homogenous are our social groups and what is like what are the consequences of that? Well, you know, one is growing political polarization. I know we hear about this a lot. I do think some of this research or rhetoric is a bit too classical, small L liberal for my taste. Um, if someone holds the view that you or I should not have fundamental rights, like that is in fact, it's okay not to engage with that person for your own safety and sanity. But I also think that sometimes political polarization, aggressive political discourse, it gets amplified in largely online spaces where algorithms are designed to optimize user engagement. So it increases exposure to more and more of the same ideas and amplifying those ideas, right? All publicity is good publicity. I think it, it sweeps people up into it. It clouds their judgment and, and a sense of reality. And a lot of this research, I'll link a couple of discussions in the show notes, really amplified and really kicked up after January 6th when a lot of people spurned by social media, cable news, the words of the former president, were convinced that the election was a fraud and it had been stolen and they rioted, right? And of course, good liberal news media outlets couldn't believe that good old boys, regular looking white middle class folks did this. But political scientists and sociologists and other researchers had really been blaring the horn about the growing threat of online right-wing extremism and how the social isolation of the pandemic and conspiracy theories about COVID and the election all converged in this like perfect storm of white rage and anger. And I want to be clear, I'm not saying that talking it out fixes all these problems. And I do think that there are, and we know that there were, like neo-Nazi and white supremacist groups there or in these online spaces. A good book on this is Bring the War Home or maybe Bringing the War Home. I'll link it in the show notes by Kathleen Bellew. Um, but there were also people who got caught up in the online frenzy and mob mentality who maybe didn't actually have a strong perspective before all of this started or who are really easily influenced by others and get swept into things that they wouldn't have otherwise. You know, people who hate that things cost so much and that they won't be able to retire and they can't get sick because their healthcare sucks and their boss is a jerk and whatever else. But they lack a structural analysis of why these things happen and they lack interactions with people who are different than them. So the problem, instead of the capitalist class or instead of capitalism, becomes the immigrant worker or Black people or the queer community or the deep state. I am not, I want to be clear, I'm not suggesting that racial and gender religious biases do not exist and don't drive these things. They certainly do. But these prejudices and stereotypes and biases that exist in our society are amplified by the structural realities of political rhetoric, residential segregation, unequal access to quality education, you know, lack of critical thinking and media analysis skills, 
and that increasing influence of social media algorithms. So a collective liberation principle from this card might be how do we interact in meaningful ways with people whose viewpoints are different than ours to kind of bring it back to that original point that I had and not necessarily to reach agreement, although that may happen, but to not lose sight of our common humanity, to bring more people into the conversation, to challenge our own biases and beliefs, to build community. Community organizing is different than issue-based organizing. If I'm organizing for abortion rights and reproductive justice, for example, people who are opposed to that, while I might try to convince them, if they're not on board, they're not on board. So you're seeking a degree of ideological homogeneity on this particular issue. Community organizing, say around getting the roads fixed or getting a school or cleaning up the water, will necessitate working with people who don't agree on anything, like maybe besides this one issue, right? So you need to create a broad, ideologically diverse coalition. So how do you bridge those divides among certain issues? Create space for people to share opposing and converging viewpoints in order to work towards something larger that benefits all of us. This, to me, is a potential lesson from The Hanged One. Okay, let's talk through a couple of images of the card. In the Rider Waite Coleman Smith version, the hanged one hangs upside down in a tree or from a tree. Some say the tree of life. So there's this association that the universe will catch you if you fall. They are wearing red pants representing, you know, vitality, power, authority, and a blue shirt representative of intuition, feeling, emotions. There is a golden halo around their head, and I see that as representative of enlightenment. Now, the Ethereal Visions Illuminated Tarot deck is one I've talked about before. It is very, very closely aligned with the Rider Waite Coleman Smith version of the deck. It's basically the same image, but the key difference is that the hanged one is holding the rope that ties them up by the ankle. So this version of the card does not leave any ambiguity about whether the hanged one has created this situation for themselves or not. Here, it is very clear that they have, and I really like this version of the card. Okay, you know what time it is. It is reading time, and I did a three-card spread. I did not include the hanged one. So instead of a spread that includes the hanged one, it's a spread about where we need to let go and take a different perspective. So a spread inspired by the hanged one. And the three cards are the Queen of Pentacles reversed, the Five of Cups, and the Three of Swords. Um, those are left to right, by the way. As I am looking at this spread, <laughs> I think this is a spread for me. So I will be interpreting it with my own life in mind. But 
hopefully you can find some insights here too. And maybe I'll talk through some uh, possible alternative explanations or themes in the cards. Um, if maybe you were, you pulled to the card for yourself, for example. And this is a spread. I want to start off. This is a, there are no bad cards spread. So each of these cards, perhaps, you know, the, the having the queen of pentacles reversed, especially the three of swords and the, the five of cups as well, can scare someone when they come up in a reading that they seem really negative. But there's always a, a glimmer of hope and of insight, too. So I want to start with the queen of pentacles reversed. Now, let's think about her upright. She is a goddess. She's an overachiever, but somehow it's effortless. A boss, a baddie. She brings in the money. She bakes the delicious bread. She throws the best dinner parties. But here the queen is reversed, indicating that, you know, I or or we, if this resonates with you as well, I have this potential, but that reversing of the card, it suggests delays before I can reach it. Here's the hanged one, right? That delay. Well, why? In this card, uh, you know, it's suggesting to me insecurity, too much passivity around realizing that potential or too much delay. So maybe that shadow of the hanged one. Now, this does not resonate with me personally, but this could be another interpretation of the Queen of Pentacles reversed. If you were to pull it in a reading for yourself or others, it can be due to an over-dependency on other people, like a, a codependent situation that's holding you back. Again, that's not resonating with me, but could be another interpretation of this card were you to pull it. So further insight into why I'm blocked, why the delay, that comes with these next two cards. So in the Five of Cups, I am essentially crying over spilled oat milk. Uh, stop focusing on the cups that have spilled, the things that have gone wrong. You know, take a pause. So again, that hanged one. Turn around for a new perspective and see the full cups that are sitting right behind you. You know, when things don't go my way, and I'm probably not alone in this, I can get really hung up on the negatives and not recognize all of the accomplishments and positive things in my life. I, I think I need to process some of the things in my life that haven't gone the way that I thought they would, you know, radical acceptance of the hanged one, so I can A, move on, but B, open up the space to see the things that I do have, those really good things in those full cups, right? And again, this is echoed in that last card, the Three of Swords. This is the card, has the heart, three swords piercing it. Oh no, we're heartbroken. Now, maybe for you, I want to start with if you pull this card. The most obvious interpretation is that you're in a relationship that's doomed to fail or um, that there's about to be a relationship failing in some way. I think that's what everyone sees or, or says with this card initially. But that's not for me. That's not what's going on. When I see this card in this spread, I'm thinking about crying over fragments of something that wasn't even supposed to be it for me in the first place. So I I'm crying and, and mourning this 
false sense of purpose or identity. Like, I, I do need to mourn that a bit, right? Get it out. But then I need to accept that it wasn't right and that that dwelling on it, on the feeling of it, is creating unnecessary suffering. And it's it's time to, like, have that cathartic moment, but then move on. And, you know, taking these cards kind of in in a single grouping, this spread is telling me I am the one holding myself back due to false perceptions, unnecessary worry and suffering. It's it's time to actually process it for real so that I can move on. And again, you know, maybe that resonates with you too, and I hope it does. So thanks so much for listening to this episode of the show. Next week, speaking of there are no bad cards, we will talk about the death card, another card that scares people, and maybe we should a little bit, but doesn't need to or does not need to be overblown. And if you like this episode, if you like the show, I would love your support. Please leave a rating and feedback. Share with friends who you think might enjoy the content. You can find me at Crystal and Knowledge Tarot on Instagram. I also have a Patreon for listeners who want to support my work, get some additional perks like a monthly tarot spread delivered to your email. You can find the link to my Patreon in the show notes or by visiting my Instagram profile and clicking on the link there. Thanks a lot and see you next time.